What's up, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together, we are FNA Van Life. This is the podcast where every week we bring you news from the nomadic community or interviews with other nomads so that you can know what it's really like to live life on the road. And we really know what it's like to live life on the road. We did it for basically four years. I mean, we're still kind of doing it. We're in renovation, build, baby mode. Yeah, yeah, which means, you know, we're going to get back to it. But the, the aspect of this lifestyle is something that we know very true to ourselves and something that we never want to give up. And if it's something that you love too, and you love the show, be sure to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast. It really helps the show grow and it helps it find a new audience. Yeah. And even if you don't want to leave a five-star review, just leave a review. We need to know what's going on, people. We need to know how you like this. And that's, that's really how it pushes the channel. So today we're really excited to be talking about one of our favorite topics that comes up all the time when we're hanging out with other nomads. Alaska. Oh man, Alaska, the beautiful, beautiful wilderness. It's just one of the most magical places that I think I've ever been to in my life. And I got to experience it with you and Paco, and I feel so grateful for that. Yeah, it was definitely a beautiful summer. And I think that this is the time of year when everybody's kind of got their sights set on Alaska. It's kind of like, do it now, or it's not going to happen this year. Yeah, I mean, you have to get up there soon. Sooner rather than later, because if you get up there too late, then you're only going to spend maybe 60 days and you want to try to stretch every single day out in Alaska as long as you possibly can. Needless to say, the days are very long there. Mm-hmm. That was one of the crazy things. It was like it never gets dark, like nighttime dark. It gets like dusky. Yeah. Um, but it's very cool because your circadian rhythm gets all kind of thrown off. So it'll be like midnight and you're just sitting down for dinner and you're like, how did that happen? I think I told this story uh, the last time we did the podcast about Alaska, but I remember getting up at three o'clock in the morning for whatever reason, Paco wanted to get out and use the bathroom in the middle of the night, which he normally doesn't do. And I get out of the car and sure enough, it's just like, like kind of like a hazy, dusky, you know, midnight sky, but it's like the sun really hasn't fully set. It's set. You can't see the sun, but the light is still there, you know, and, and in the distance, I see this moose grazing and I just thought to myself, wow, I'm in the most magical place in my life right now. Mm -hmm. You know, in that moment, I really felt that way. Yeah. I feel like we had a lot of those moments in Alaska, even just like the one night we were driving to chase the moon Yeah, and there was a giant moose like blocking our way to be able to go and see this like beautiful moon in the sky. Uh And so we were screaming about the moon and the moose. (laughs) The man and the moose and the mystical moon or something like that we called it (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's just so beautiful and such a wonderful experience and it's super rv friendly which is really what we want to talk about and van life friendly obviously so if you're thinking about getting up there in a camper van you're definitely going to want to check out the book that we wrote about Van Life Alaska. Well, realistically, Alex wrote it. She's given me some credit that is not real. I mean, I did give input in it, but I definitely did not write it. That was all her. So kudos to you, baby. Great job. Well, thanks. 
You're welcome. And and if you really want to like know more about this book and where we stayed, that actually has the coordinates to the spots that we stayed at. So that's like the really special thing about getting the book is you actually get to go and be in the places that we were in and we found like super magical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there are so many magical places to stay in Alaska. And so I thought today we could kind of just like go through the book a little bit and give some practical tips for van life in Alaska. The first of which would be getting there. Yeah. Getting there was kind of different for us though. And the reason why it was different for us is because it was, you know, a COVID year. So the borders were kind of closed still. I couldn't make it through Canada. They, they denied me entry and Alex could go through since she's a Canadian citizen, but, uh, I was the driver. So like, Alex drives all the way there with Paco and then I fly in like it just didn't make sense. So fortunately for us, we wound up uh, finding a shipping company and the name of the company is called Tote, Tote Maritime. And they shipped our van up to Alaska, but there's several different boats that you could ship on. Yeah. So Tote would be the best kind of roll on roll off option if you wanted to go the shipping route and then you jump on an airplane and meet the van there. Yeah. And it gets there really fast, like three or four days and it's there. Yeah. It's really nice. Um, the other option for somebody who wants to do it by boat and actually be on the boat and see what the boat sees, kind of like they call it the poor man's Alaskan cruise. Yeah. Which I think is actually kind of incredible because it's definitely not cheap. <laughs> and no, it's, <laughs> I don't think a lot of poor men could afford that. No. And I mean, what a lot of people do is they'll get a tent and they'll put their tent down on the deck. And this is what makes it the poor man's trip because you're, you're not buying a room on the boat. You're just putting a tent down and then you're really out there and like, you know, in the, you're in the elements. And when you're in the elements, then you also will get to see like whales and stuff like that when you're, when you're cruising up there to Alaska and supposedly, like, the coastal line on the way up there is just breathtaking. Well, people literally pay thousands of dollars to take Alaskan cruises on, like, official cruise lines. Mm-hmm. So this is, like, the state-run uh, boat that just goes, and it's a ferry. And the very cool thing about doing it this way is that you'll get access to places that you would never get access to just in your van. But because you're taking your van on the boat, you could actually book the ferry to stop at one of these islands, including the island where the capital of Alaska is housed, which is Juneau. Mm -hmm. And so you can't get there unless you take a boat. Yes. So Um, then um, you can explore these little islands and these inlets kind of on your way to the main event of mainland Alaska. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that you could just book it from Tacoma to mainland, uh, mainland Alaska and you're allowed to get off with your vehicle and stop on each island and stay as long as you want to. You just have to roll your, your van back on when the boat, the next boat gets there. Yeah, I would double check on that because I know that our friends out of this van did a little hack where there was actually, it was sold out from Seattle to Anchorage. So what they did was they bought a fare from Seattle to one of the islands and then got off on that island and basically told the shipping company like, Okay, whenever you have space on a boat to get to the next island or to get to Anchorage, let us know because we're basically ready. You know, the islands aren't that big. So they ended up spending a week or two on some of the islands just kind of cruising and exploring and had an amazing time there anyway. So it wasn't like 
ugh, we're stuck here. It was like, cool, we're stuck here. And we're going to explore until they have room for us on the next boat. Well, and something wild happened to them when they were doing it too. Like the boat broke down that they were on and they like had to get off on this, on the, in this one spot where it's like Canada kind of like covers Alaska. And the only way to get to mainland, uh, mainland Alaska from this one spot in Alaska is to actually cross the Canadian border into the Yukon and then directly back in to the United States into Alaska. So it's like, I think it's probably like an hour and a half or something like that drive, but you actually are like, you're landlocked by Canada. Mm -hmm. So you don't have a choice but to enter. And in this particular situation, the Canadian government allowed the people to, you know, make their way to the that border, but they're like, you got to go right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? A whole boatload of people get off and <laughs> you're just right. going to hold them in the port until COVID's over. Yeah. But then when you do it like that, if you get off in that area and then you, you go through Canada or if you drive up, the really cool thing about driving up is you get to see, you know, that whole scenic route all the way up. Mm -hmm. You could either go through Alberta or BC and you could just, just enjoy the beauty of that road coming up. Yeah, and I think that that is one of the most, uh, you know, people, you, you have this idea of like, I want to get to Alaska and the goal is Alaska, but actually the drive to Alaska, people should take like a whole month just doing the drive towards Alaska because there's so much to see. It's so beautiful. It's so camper friendly. Obviously, it's a really well-known highway, a really well-known route. There's mm -hmm. towns all along it where you can stop and get supplies. Obviously, the more remote, the more expensive things are. And I would even go as far to say as like, there's not necessarily like a ton of things to do, but the nature aspect of it is like endless. Well, I think that's a lot of kind of the northern parts is that like, yeah, there's cities Well, there be restaurants and people and bars and culture and that kind of thing. But then the whole reason that you're going is to get out in nature mm -hmm. and go on these epic hikes and go on these epic, you know, scenery viewing tours. And, you know, that's really what you're out there for. It's not necessarily to like have things to do. Like I really truly do wish that we had that opportunity to be able to drive it because I think it would have been one of those like absolutely incredible drives. But I will say saving those miles on our van was like priceless. I feel like. Yeah, it is a lot of miles. And also if you are going to do that highway, you need to be well prepared. Make sure that you have really good tires on your vehicle. Make sure that your windshield is not cracked. And Frank probably has some advice for driving on these kind of bumpy, crappy roads. Yeah. So one of the things a lot of people complained about when it came to the roads was like how bad the roads were. But realistically, in my opinion, the roads really weren't that bad. Like they were actually pretty good. I would say other than the frost heaves that you have to watch out for. So like, even though it might be an open road and you're cruising at like 65, whatever, do not go over that speed because if you hit a frost heave at a higher speed, oh my God, are you going to bottom out? Can you explain what a frost heave is? A frost heave is basically like the opposite of a speed bump. And so basically what happens is in the wintertime, you know, the road will frost and then they'll become like a dip in the road. 
And so, yeah, you have this like little dip that happens, but you can't see it when you're driving normally until you get used to it. And then you can notice them coming. But I remember one time we were driving and we hit one of those frost heaves at like 65. And I just remember the whole back of the van just bottoming out, like rubbing on it. We had oversized tires. Mm -hmm. So I just remember going and I was like. Oh, man, we just bottomed out for the first time. <laughs> and it was because of that frosty, but I think I was doing about 70. So that's the reason why I'm like, no faster than 65, because 65 will uh, will keep you from bottoming out, most likely, unless you have really bad uh, weight distribution in your rig. But then when it comes to, like, the one road that I think that was really bad out of all the roads, so I guess there was kind of two. But one of them was a long road going up to the Arctic Circle, and it's like a pretty dirt, like rocky road. And the best advice that I could give you when it comes to that one is when the truckers are coming, get all the way to your right as far as you can without going off the side of the road. And that way, when those trucks are driving by, when they throw rocks, it doesn't hit your windshield. You know, it might hit the side of your van or something. That's why we wrapped the line doors. And we had no dents, no dings, no bumps, no bruises, no cracked window, no nothing. The whole time we were there, 66 days of driving around Alaska. And I mean, like, we drove around Alaska. Like, we went all the way down as far south as Homer. We went as far north as, um, what, what's that? The Arctic Circle. Yeah, well, I was thinking about, like, towards the, the western side. We went all the way up to that little mining town up there. Um, the, the pass Hatcher's pass Hatcher's pass And that road was another road That was kind of gnarly going up But it was yeah. like a fun gnarly road That was in Palmer like. I think even further than that was Valdez Well no no I'm talking about Hatcher's pass wasn't in Palmer Hatcher's pass was like Northwest uh, Like northwest of Anchorage It was kind of going up towards Oh you're right yeah, I, I forget the name of the town that it was near, but um, I remember driving up that way and, and it was like a windy uh, dirt road and it was kind of wet and I was worried about us like slipping a bit, um, but we didn't, you know, so make sure that you do have some chains or something that will allow you to get out of a muddy situation. Chains help you crazy in those type of situations or even on a beach. People don't realize that how much chains would help you on a beach uh, because people only think to put them on in the snow. But you could use them for all different types of things. You just don't want to drive fast or, you know, be on anything hard with chains. Mm. But also, speaking of that, you should definitely have a shovel. You should have a recovery kit, recovery boards. Yep. We didn't get into too much trouble in Alaska. I think maybe we got stuck like one time on a beach that we got too close to the water. I knew that was going to happen, too. I felt this. <laughs> Alex is like, just go, just go. I was like, it's so pretty. You just get, I want a front row seat. She didn't want anybody pulling up in front of our view, and which I totally get. But at that time, there was nobody else on this rocky beach. And uh, I think it stayed that way for about three days. <laughs> and then the weekend hit and all the locals came. Yeah. And then definitely a couple of people went in front of our view. But that was yeah. fine. But I feel like, too... That's kind of it. That's a pro and a con of being in Alaska is that when you do get off grid, you can be like very off grid like that particular camp spot. We were so off grid. We had that beach completely to ourselves for yeah. days. We were having such an amazing time. No cell service. Yeah. And we got stuck on the beach. So 
that spot in particular was like a... Can you start again? Because I was still burping. It. Yeah, no, uh, the reason why I picked up is because you stopped. Um, but that spot in particular is only really known by the locals. I don't know how many people actually are aware of it, like, fan life or wise. Well, so we do share the coordinate in the book for that particular spot. Well, it's a good thing that 900,000 people haven't bought the book yet because there would be a <laughs> lot of people on that beach. Yeah, that's the, like, extra secret location that you actually have to, like, do an extra step to get to because, like Frank's saying, it's such a remote spot. And yeah. when we were there, hardly anybody knew about it. And it was just so lovely. And I could tell you what, if you just ask us for it without buying the book, we are not giving you those coordinates. I'm sorry. <laughs> like we, we're going to gatekeep this one. Yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, I bought the book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can see who orders it. <laughs> but, uh, but seriously though, I mean, this is a type of spot that you really want to keep close to your heart. And uh, I, the reason why I say that the only way you're going to get it is if you get the book, because then we know that you're the type of person that will actually go the extra mile and make the extra effort to, you know, clean up after yourself and, and do those type of things, because it just shows that you like information is valuable to you. Yeah, I think for all of these spots and for any camp spots anywhere, but especially in Alaska, there's so much beautiful land and you know, you don't want to give campers a bad name. You don't want to give van lifers a bad name. Clean up after yourself. Leave no trace. You really, you know, there's that one spot um, outside of Seward where you're on the riverbed. Yeah, the riverbed spot. Very popular um, for, you know, rightly so. It's a great spot. Um, but it gets busy. It's not busy, like not busy like you would in like Baja busy where on your beach and it's like boom, 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 boom. But like busy enough for like this big wide open space and there's trash and there's people that leave stuff and well, we well, can blame some of the locals for it too. Well, yeah, because we were there like 4th of July weekend and there for 4th of July in general. And uh, we were there with other van lifers and there was other like RV lifers and stuff like that out there as well. And we would see the campsites of all the people that are in RVs and or in like van lifestyle rigs and they had no garbage around them. And they, when they would leave, they would take their garbage with them, you know, and then locals showed up and they trashed the place. They were burning mattresses. They were burning couches. They were burning, you know, plastic pools. And so all this stuff was like stuck to the ground and in the rock. And so I actually went around and, Cleaned a lot of it up, um, at least the things that I could take with us, but it was so trashed. But yeah, so definitely clean up after yourself, clean up after others. I actually just went on iOverlander to check if my super secret spot is on there, and it's not. Yes. So thank you for everybody who has purchased the book, who does have the link uh, for keeping it top secret, because I think the thing, too, is that it's a local spot and I hate for local spots to get blown up because I feel like that's when people get kind of like PO'd about, you know, campers. Well, and I would say a local spot that, you know, the people actually take care of. Yeah. Like when we were there, there was not a speck of anything bad around at all. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. And I remember just going for walks along the lakeside and stuff and it was just, oh man, it was so otherworldly beautiful. Those drone shots from there and stuff. Oh. 
<laughs> I remember going in that that lake and we it was were, cold. It was so cold because it's all like glacier melt and well, it's really more like ice cap melt. This was probably like end of July, August by yeah. the time we were there too. Yeah, and I just remember trying to get in that water and Alex and I were like laughing at each other and by the time we actually dove in our legs were basically numb because <laughs> we waited so long to actually make the full dive yeah yeah hypothermia was kicking in no we were fine uh, i was slowly kicking in babe <laughs> the, and the way the sun set there in particular like it would set in between mm, the two the, mountains. The mountains yeah like, right over the oh, water right over the lake oh it was Beautiful. so good it was so good all right, so did you ever feel uncomfortable sleeping in Alaska? There was one spot in particular I felt uncomfortable. Which one? I don't know what you're talking about. When we were on the Denali Park Highway going to Denali. Okay. And um, we were trying to find a spot. We pulled off on the side. And then when we got out, there was like bones there and stuff. Yeah, but that's just because was, we didn't understand hunting at the time. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't understand that. Actually, yeah, that was from a pack of wolves. Mm. Like eating that animal because the way the the fur was plucked. But then there was the big like hole. I don't know what the hole was in particular, but the wolves like I I read about something after and also listened to like a podcast where they were talking about wolves, and that's what wolves do. They literally pick things off to the bone, and you'll see like the fur of the animal around that area and that's what we seen remember yeah it was like so much fur and then all of a sudden like bones and we were like what the hell went down here <laughs> so we got a weird feeling yeah. but the camp spot itself was totally fine yeah yeah and we were able to like walk down to the river from it as well that was really gorgeous over mm -hmm. there too mm -hmm. um but no other than that i did not like even when we were in like downtown anchorage and we found that little spot that like we parked at that even that spot I didn't feel I felt more weird in the city there than anywhere else, but it felt fine. Yeah, I think that's there's always the like that's where I saw the moose. Yeah, I think city camping is always a bit more awkward than wild camping, just because there are more people, there's more eyes on you, there's more people like potentially gonna call somebody and report yeah. you or whatever you're in front of someone's house whereas when you're in the wild and nature like that spot you were just talking about with the animal remains there was nobody literally nobody and there was no cell service either so like yeah. who's gonna call who <laughs> the ghostbusters <laughs> but if you are worried about cell service and signal and connectivity um obviously starlink works well, and so I, you could use it i mean i'm sure it works in alaska now but i know that recently up until probably this last year it didn't work and it and it, it might not work at a certain like um elevate or alt not not, not, not altitude up latitude of, yeah would it be latitude or longitude guys we're not good with these i'm gonna say latitude the v vertical lines yeah the vertical lines yeah latitude sounds right yeah yeah, so it might not work at a certain latitude. Um, so it's something to check out before you get it because you don't want to get it and pay top dollar for it. And then, you know, it's not available. I will also say that, like, there are a lot of wide open spaces in Alaska, like with not a lot of trees that you'll be parked at. 
Um, so the Starlink would work absolutely amazing there. Okay, so I just looked it up. I didn't want to give you guys any incorrect information. Um, but so Alaska is all the way covered, like basically all the way to Greenland. So yeah. uh, it's you super are available. good to go. And I'm actually really jealous because now we're looking at that and I could see that it's actually available pretty much all through Central America too. Yeah, uh, no, some of those countries are still on a way. Is that El Salvador? El Salvador is live. Oh, man. But Guatemala, Belize, Honduras, Nicaragua, Panama's Costa Rica. Too. Yeah. So the majority of Central America is uh, coming soon, I think. Yeah. So Service the, date unknown. Man, I know we're talking about Alaska, but it's kind of crazy because that's where we just kind of <laughs> came back from. So, yeah, just seeing that it's like readily available pretty much every way. It makes it really worthwhile if you're a remote worker or you just like need service. Mm-hmm. And the good part is like you can pause it, too. So if like... You know, you know, you're not going to be like out in the middle of nowhere for like a month and you're just going to be in the Anchorage area. You don't need it. But then if you're going to be like remote, remote, then you just put it back in service. Yeah. So it definitely was a game changer for us in Mexico when we were traveling and we definitely missed it when we didn't have it. So if you're heading to Alaska and you do need Internet, because we definitely were chasing Internet a lot when we were in Alaska because the towns all have it or they have cell phone service or Mm -hmm. you can go to a cafe or a restaurant and get Wi-Fi. But the in-betweens and the highways and all the things like that, there's basically no coverage or connectivity. Uh Uh-huh. So I will say the front of this cover of this book, that is the spot that we actually slept at um, a few nights. We we really love this spot. Um, There are other spots there that are available just off the beaten path. You just have to pop off the little side roads. And I think that's what's so cool about Alaska is that if you see like a little road going to the right, like don't feel too, like, unless it says private property, don't feel afraid to go down it. You know what I mean? Like just pop down it and see what you can find. Cause if you could pull off the side of the road, you could sleep there basically. Yeah. I think Alaska's pretty like wide open in their laws about overnight sleeping and camping because you know, stuff happens and you could be in the middle of nowhere and your car might not be working anymore. And like, you know, you just got to pull over and you got to pull over. And so I think people just kind of understand that like sometimes you get tired when you're driving and you don't want to drive anymore. And the safest thing that you can do, as long as you can clear the road and you're good. Like there was that one night we were crushing to get from Fairbanks all the way back to Anchorage because we had, you know, commitments and whatever. And we just, we were hung out with friends for longer than we should have because we were having a good time. We're like, okay, whatever, whatever. We'll just, we'll make it in a day. And so we drove forever and we were like, oh my God, we're exhausted. And so we literally just like pulled off the highway into like some random dirt spot yeah, and slept the night there. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the the great thing about Alaska is if you aren't in, like, the major city, which is, like, basically Anchorage and Fairbanks, uh, you could pretty much sleep anywhere, you know? Uh, what would you say, well, before I ask you what your favorite place was in Alaska, I would like to ask you, um, <laughs> Paco's funny, <laughs> I would like to ask you or uh, tell the people that, like, if you have a sunny day or if you know, like, a couple of sunny days are coming up, the places you want to spend those sunny days are either on the coastal line, 
you know, you want to be on the coast because there's nothing like a beautiful, sunny Alaskan day on the coast where you could like look out and you could see the islands that go down, like the like where the volcanoes tend to happen out that way because that's in the Ring of Fire area. Or I would even go as far as to say either be in like um, Wrangell Elias. You know, we didn't get an opportunity to go there, but in these mountain ranges when it's like a nice sunny day is so crazy. Like Denali, being able to actually see Denali is not that easy. So when you get that chance and that opportunity to see it, uh, it's so worth it. So, you know, even if you just get a little glimpse. So if you know there's a couple of sunny days coming up in a row in a row and you want to book Denali, make sure to book it. Yeah, definitely take advantage. We had some friends who caught Alaska on a pretty gloomy summer. We got mm. kind of like I think we got a pretty good summer, but you should definitely be prepared for some wetness, for some just kind of like dampness. Um, make sure you have a good raincoat. Make sure you have good shoes that are like waterproof yeah. so you can still go for hikes and walks and things like that without getting your feet wet as you're going. Yeah, and I would even say make sure that you have something for mosquitoes. You know, like I don't know if repellent might be the thing, but the major thing that I notice is that like having like thick you know, layered clothes, uh, kept a lot of the mosquitoes away. Um, and like a little bit of protection, maybe one of those little bug net things for around a hat. We didn't have to use it, but I know for a fact that if you're in like a place that's really remote, you might have a lot more mosquitoes. Like when we were crossing, um, to get to the Kenai Peninsula from Anchorage, there was that spot where we parked in and they were coming through our, our sky hatch. Remember? Mm -hmm. So it's like spots like that. If you were going to spend time there and you're going to be outside, you need the most protection when it comes to mosquitoes. But I will say in terms of like myths about Alaska and the mosquitoes being the size of small birds, like that's not true. They're regular mosquitoes. No, they are not regular. Those things got super strength. <laughs> uh, you got to double tap them. In yeah. order to kill them, you can't kill them with one swat. You have to kill them with two two taps. Okay, I'll give you that. But it's like an Instagram like button. We went to Alaska thinking that we needed all of the bug spray, all of the repellent. I bought those silly little bug nets for the faces and things like that. I thought I was so well prepared. Let me tell you, we did not use those hats once. We didn't even use the bug spray once. Well, they were like prone to the bug spray too, I felt like. I don't know. When and we, like when we, we were in the couple of spots where there were mosquitoes, we put that bug spray on and it didn't do shit. No. And it so it doesn't even matter. And like we were talking to a local about it and she was just like, honestly, you just deal with it. <laughs> like, it. like the bug spray is not really going to do anything. So it is what it is. And sometimes they're worse than others. And some places are worse than others. But overall, the mosquitoes were not that bad. Paco, what did you think about Alaska? It was really good. He just said, did you hear that? He said, rrr, rrr, rrr. <laughs> that was great, buddy. Good job. You want to be on the podcast? Oh, uh, he gave me some kisses, but he's not much of a talker. If well, you do have a dog and you're heading to Alaska, it's super dog friendly. Yeah. We took Paco literally everywhere without yes. a problem. Yeah. I would say if you have a small dog, just be careful of the bald eagles. Yes. Yeah. Valdez, you know, when we went Valdez, one bald eagle almost tried to take Paco. Yeah. So you can definitely have your dog off leash on the trails and things like that. Because most people, when they take their dog out hiking with them, it's for protection against other animals. Yeah. And so obviously Paco being a 15 pound Chihuahua mix 
isn't necessarily going to stop a bear. Um, but well, I'll tell you what, who would be the first option for that bear? Well, I don't know. The little thing yapping in his face or the big fat things trying to run away. I think it would be the little thing. <laughs> I don't know. He'd be like a snack. I mean, God forbid it. I'm glad it never happened. We never came across that, uh, you know, from that happening. But yeah, I would say the scariest thing with a little dog was, thanks Paco for sitting right on my mic. Uh, the the uh, scariest thing is definitely the birds when it comes to little dogs. Yeah, so you have to be mindful of that. We actually heard a crazy story about they found this eagle nest that was literally just full of dog collars. And so those eagles are eating it well. It was probably that mother chucking in Valdez. Uh, no, was, it was on know, the he, Kenai. He pulled his claws out and everything. He was ready yeah. to scoop Paco. Yeah, so Paco did not get scooped, not no. even like tried to get scooped. It actually made me think of that movie. Sandra Bullock did a movie where she went to Alaska. I think it was called like The Proposal. Mm. And the little dog got scooped by a by a bird. By a bird. Mm-hmm. I think Paco's scrappy though. I think he would get out. <laughs> but yeah, don't worry about taking your dog. You, your dog can... We would take him into coffee shops. We took him into town. We took him into all the different places. Yeah. Um, just keep him close by, like in, in situations like that. If you see any eagles, just, you know, that's it. Eagles at the coffee shop? No, no. I'm talking about when you're <laughs> on a hike or something, you know? Like, uh, I would say we were on the beach, in, like on the Kenai, and there was tons of eagles, but they were so busy eating fish that they didn't even look at Paco. Right. Yeah. So it's like know what's going on in your surroundings. Mm-hmm. Is basically all I'm trying to say. Yeah, but if you have a big dog, I don't think you really have no, to worry about that at all. Not They're not going to be picking up pit bulls to no. have dinner. Uh-uh. That's not happening. That pit bull's too big. Yeah. Yeah. I, what do you think the weight like limit is? Oh, man. Depends how big the 20, eagle 30 is. 30 pounds? 30 pounds? Is maybe? it an adult eagle or is it an egret? Is it no, it's an adult. It's the biggest eagle you ever seen. Biggest eagle I ever seen, like pterodactyl size eagle. I wouldn't say like pick up an elephant size, but I would say like, you know, medium sized dog maybe. Yeah, maybe like <laughs> 30 pounds. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> All right. If your dogs are 30 pounds or less, be careful for eagles. 30 pounds or more, you should be fine. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> and either way, you're going to be fine. Like your dog is most likely just going to be like right there with you by your side anyway. Uh, from what I know with the people in van life, when it comes to like little dogs, at least they're normally pretty close to your side. Yeah. Van lifers love their dogs though. Mm-hmm. So if you do have one and you're taking them with you, don't worry about it. You're going to be able to go everywhere. We even actually um, got to take Paco on a big ferry ride. Mm-hmm. We went to visit a remote uh, water access only town of it was Seldovia. Seldovia. So Seldovia is a town that you can only get to by water. And so we took a ferry ride there, which was super cool. It was, yeah. And it was pretty affordable, actually, for what you got. It was like a full day cruise. Um, but so we said to them, we're like, you know, we have our dog. We don't really feel comfortable leaving our dog in the camper van all day long because mm-hmm. it was basically like, you know, from breakfast until dinner, we were we, going to be on this boat ride. We just like like Paco being with us for at least four hours at a time. <laughs> well, yeah, we don't want to like leave him for more than four hours. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So they were like, no problem. Like, bring him on the boat. Like, no big deal. So he was the only dog on the boat, but they nobody had a problem. They loved him, too. Yeah. Everyone was super nice to him. Yeah. He's such a sweet boy, though. But then uh, that was a really cool experience because when we were on that boat, we actually got an opportunity to see orcas for the first time. 
Yeah. That was super, super, super dope. And we got to see a couple pods, and that's something that you'll most likely see when you go on that boat. And then we went to this remote island where there's a very small population of people. And they probably now do that sculpture competition now, the ice sculpture competition there. Mm Mm-hmm. They weren't doing that at the time. When, wood oh, sculpture. sorry, wood sculpture competition. They weren't doing that at the time when we were there because COVID and whatnot, but I think they were about to get ready to bring it back. Mm-hmm. And so that would be a cool thing to look into is like, when does Saldovia do their wood carving competition? That would be very neat. Yeah. And I would say that the island was really cool. And if you get an opportunity to camp there, maybe like do like an overnight tent camp type of thing there, uh, I think it would be a really cool place to just spend a day. You know, or two. Well, there is a ferry that you can take your rig on to get over there. Yes. So it's I just, it's definitely more pricey. It was, was it like 300 bucks. Yeah. Three or four, like somewhere between three and four. I don't know what it is today, but when we were there, it was about 300 bucks. Yeah. And for us, that was a little bit steep because what you're going to find is that all these attractions and things to do in Alaska do cost a fair bit of money. It's like double what a normal attraction would be in the lower 48. That's yeah. like kind of about the... The price that I think it is. Yeah. And I mean, like a lot of these things are just like epic, right? So it's like you can go climbing on a glacier and you're like, whoa. And then it's like $200 a person and you're like, whoa. You could go to Whittier and ride jet skis to a freaking glacier. That was sick. Yeah. That was one of the coolest things. And yeah, it is expensive. Like in the general sense of like, I'm only going on a jet ski, but no, no, you're not just going on a jet ski. You're going for an epic ride. And you're going to have waterfalls dropping everywhere, cascading everywhere around you on the way out. And then you're going to see this epic glacier that, like, if you're really lucky, it calves when you're there. And then you get, like, a splash. And there's waterfalls all around that, too. Mm-hmm. Wild. Wild experience. <laughs> you're, you're, like, cruising your jet ski in between small icebergs. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, I feel like there's so many, like water-based activities in Alaska that you have to do at least something on the water. We did so many different water activities. So the jet skis, we went kayaking through glaciers. So that was in Valdez. There's this glacier lake and Mm. you can rent a kayak or you can take a tour. Um, and you literally are kayaking through icebergs, icebergs, huge, ginormous icebergs that like, you do got to be careful when you do it. Very careful. An iceberg can flip. And if it does flip and you're right next to it, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. So uh, there was that movie a long time ago, like A Million Ways to Die in the West. Yeah. There's a million ways to die in Alaska. Oh, there is for sure. Yeah. So don't be, be stupid. Good. Don't be scared either. You'll be good. Yeah. Um, just have your wits about you. Don't get on the mud flats. Don't get too close to anything that bites or scratches. Don't, uh, you know, if icebergs start bubbling, get away from them. Yes, that's the key, the bubble. We went with an amazing small company that uh, allows you to be able to go kayaking by yourself and, like, create your own adventure. So definitely going to have to check out the book to get that name of that company as well. And, uh, man, that was such an incredible experience. Mm-hmm. What else did we do on the water? We definitely spent a lot of time, like, at beaches yeah. and enjoying the view of the water and, yeah. like, the sun kind of, like, cascading on the water. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know another one. What? Uh, surfing. I didn't get to surf. I didn't know how to surf at the time, but I got to watch people surf the boar tide. That's right outside of Anchorage over there. There are a couple of companies that you could go with if you are a surfer uh, and you want to actually be able to catch the wave like first time going, most likely. Uh, you're definitely going to want to pick a company. 
Otherwise, you're going to have to ask locals, like, you know, what time does it come or whatever. But you could ride that wave twice a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was actually kind of wild because I feel like there was such like a rush of energy because it does only happen twice a day because mm-hmm. it comes in and out with the tides. Yeah. And people were kind of almost like frantic, like, okay, what pull off do we go and where do we start? Where's the good spot and where do I drop in and da 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 When you think about it, it's a moon wave. Yeah. Yeah, because the tide's going in and out because the moon, right? So mm-hmm. the moon is literally creating that wave. Mm-hmm. I think if we got back to Alaska, that's definitely something you would want to do. Oh, yes. Yeah. 100%. Like this wave, you could literally ride for up to 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like if you catch it in the right spot and it has the right amount of power, you could just ride it and ride it and ride it. I could only imagine. Like you would need a chair. To sit on your board? Yeah. You don't like... Trying to surf for that long. I feel like trying to surf on a chair would be pretty impressive. Yeah, but like trying to stand in that position for that long, oh, would that be a leg burner? (laughs) But the cool part about that wave is wildlife comes in right after that wave. Yeah, so you can see all the orcas and everything like that. Beluga whales. Ooh, that's what I was thinking about. So wildlife, yes, so much beautiful wildlife. We also took a river tour down the Kenai, Mm. which is... um, the Kenai River is mm-hmm. one of the major rivers that goes down the Kenai Peninsula. And we went with a rafting company. That was such a cool experience. Yeah. It was such a dinky little boat. We looked at it and we were like, how are we all going to get on here? But yeah, what an incredible experience that was. We got to meet a, an awesome couple, uh, Patrick and April. And they actually took us out to dinner after that was so sweet to them. They mm-hmm. wanted to know more about like our adventures and stuff. And we got to chat with them. And uh, actually their son is on a, on a bike tour, like uh touring the country or whatever, uh, riding from state to state, sleeping on the side of the road and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. what a, what a amazing couple. Um, and you know, when you do these adventures and you meet people out there, you're going to have opportunities like this occur for YouTube as well. You just got to be friendly and open to it. Yeah. I think one of the things about our van life adventure in particular is that we are always friendly and we are always outgoing and we're always laughing and talking and joking with people. And mm-hmm. like, if, you know, somebody obviously doesn't want to talk to us, that's fine too. You know, you're like top of the morning to you and you just say goodbye or whatever. But like most people are interested in a chat they're ready to have like a little joke, a little laugh with you, learn mm. something new. Where have you been? Where are you going? Kind of thing. Um, and so we always seem to find ourselves in situations where people are offering advice or yeah. experiences or yep. meals or blueberry jams yeah, or, amazing. you know, just like random stuff. I'm thinking about Grandpa Kevin now, too. Yeah. Yeah. We met this guy sitting on the riverbed uh, and... I, we talked to him for like a couple hours and we got to like know him and his life story kind of. And he lived right up the road, just like got the chat. And then the guy was just an awesome dude. And then next thing you know, where the next day he's coming to pick us up at 10 a.m. We're going on a wild event, four wheeling adventure that Alex nearly killed herself on. But <laughs> yeah, I'm not good at driving a four wheel. Yeah, we yeah, we learned that. And it's called a four wheeler, not a four wheel. That's. Also true. Yeah, that's a, as good as she is at riding a four-wheeler. <laughs> yeah, uh, first time they threw me on there with no helmet. And it was like a professional-style type of riding. Like, even for me, it was, it was you know, uh, another another level. 
that I, I wasn't necessarily prepared for, but I like stuff like that. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Where Alex is like, doesn't even know what she's getting into. I'm like, okay. And then I send it and then I'm like, wow, that was a bad idea. I'll tell you what, I'm so proud of you for that. Like you really did just send it and you did an amazing job other than the fact of those couple crashes you had. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but so after that, I would say there was at least two really big adventures that, and then also we went on a huge hike with out of this van and the Fenny Moors. Mm -hmm. And so after those two adventures, both of us needed a full day off because when you adventure hard in Alaska, your body is going to pay for it. Oh yeah. And not just our bodies, but Paco's body paid for that one too as well. Paco was exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'd never seen him so tired from a hike. Yeah. So literally, you know, I get that there's this want and this drive to try to do and see everything, especially when you're going to a place like Alaska that feels like a bucket list, that feels like this is the one and only time that I'm going to get here. I need to do everything. I need to see everything. Two kind of troubles with that. One, your budget might not allow you to do and see everything. So you can either try to find more budget options for things, like instead of taking a guided tour, rent the gear instead of you know, taking, uh, like a guided something, just go for the hike or something, you know, like try to find the budget version of things, but then also give yourself days off where you're not just go, go, go all the time. Like trying to cram everything in at once or like get to the next spot or get to the next spot. Like allow yourself to luxuriate in some of these places. Yeah. There was a couple of spots where we got to, you know, and you'll ebb and flow through this, right? Like say, you know, that a good weather window is coming and you're like, okay, I want to be down in Homer for that like week because it's going to be beautiful. So you rush to get down there and then, you know, kind of maybe a little bit of a gloom is coming in afterwards. Sit on the beach for four days. Yeah. And just like watch the eagles come in and eat the fish at night and, you know, just be there. Immerse yourself in nature. And like that was the one really cool thing about the fact that we didn't have Internet service in a lot of these places. Like we, when we were there, we were there. Like we didn't have to worry about any, you know, searching the Internet or Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is that you're using TikTok. You know, like you, you didn't have to do any of those things or you didn't feel the need to do any of those things because you were having that opportunity to be disconnected, you know, and I thought that was beautiful. So like when we would record a podcast there, or we would do something work related. It would be like literally just us and our thoughts, mm -hmm. you know, it'd be very rare that we were in a place where we even had reception at the time. Yeah. Which was nice. I mean, I feel like that's the catch 22 of van life in general is that, when you do have service, it's great because you could work and you can whatever and you can stay in a place longer. Um, but when you don't have service, you can really connect with where you are and what you're doing and what you're thinking and what you're feeling. Um, you know, that really changes the experience. And I will say that for us that year, we had a really unique and lucky experience in the sense of like lack of people there. Like there wasn't as many people um, that were just like caravanning around just because it was harder to get to Alaska. So it was like a smaller pool of people than normal. And I would say that like now that more people could drive up there, you're probably going to have a busier time in Alaska 
Yet then again, I haven't heard as much chatter about Alaska this year, like online as I normally would. I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like the year where you were able to like drive across the border finally, then that's when it like became like, boom. Well, I think also that year was boom for everything because people had been cooped up for two yeah. years and they were like, I'm going to go. So hopefully this year isn't so crazy. But I will say that there are some locations in Alaska that are very well-known RV spots. Mm -hmm. And then there's obviously so much out in the middle of nowhere. So if you're the kind of camper who likes to be out in the middle of nowhere, you have that option. If you're the kind of camper who wants to stay at a park, who wants to be around other people, who wants to plug in or whatever, whatever, Mm -hmm. you can absolutely find that as well. So just knowing your travel style or maybe having like a flux between the two. Um, But so we basically wild camped our entire time in Alaska. Mm -hmm. I think we paid to camp two or three nights and the whole time we were there. And the only reason why is because when... The vehicle got shipped over. I stupidly left the battery stuff all together. And we left all our lights on. Everything was on. It was <laughs> it was such a shame that I did that. Uh, but when when it got there, it basically had no no battery. It was at like 10 volts, which was almost like sleep mode for the battery. And then our DC to DC charger was not working, so I couldn't like wake it up right away. Um, so we had to stop at a campground, plug in just to wake up the battery and uh, get enough of a charge to keep us going while I fixed the DC to DC charger. And then after that, that was it. We didn't need it anymore. Well, and then we also paid to camp down in Homer because some friends of ours were like, oh, there's no free camping on Homer at all. Like you have to pay if you go to Homer. So like, let's just pay whatever. So we're like, okay, we've never been there before. You've been there before. No problem. So we pay for the night at the campground. I can't remember. Was it like 30 bucks or something? Yeah, it was like 30 bucks, but we wound up paying for two nights, I think. No, we We paid paid for for one one night. And and then then we moved over. And then we met up with other friends who said, oh, no, no, we've been staying in this random parking lot for free for the last like three nights. And we're going to be here for at least two more. And so we were like, all right. So we moved over to that free lot and stayed there for like two, three, four nights. No problem. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like look at the signs, make sure you're supposed to be parked there. Like we don't want to be like stealth. We don't want to be the reason why you get a ticket either. (laughs) But like for the most part, almost everywhere, you don't necessarily have to pay for parking. People do it so that way they could either get like the view, the oceanfront view. I will say that campground was cool just because you were on the spit and like they had that like abandoned boat there mm-hmm. and like the like walking around that abandoned boat stuff. I thought was was pretty spectacular. Um, but otherwise, you know, once again, we wanted to save that money for the excursions and the experiences. So like to spend that money on the campground felt like it was a, a like a loss when we were spending that money. Mm-hmm. And then we went out to dinner for the birthday and spent quite a bit of money on some fish and chips because uh, halibut's delicious there. <laughs> well, so that's what I was going to say. Food is also one of the bigger expenses in Alaska. Um, it's definitely a more expensive grocery store trip. Not like crazy more expensive, but like you're definitely going to notice that your money doesn't go quite as far as it might in the lower 48 Um, so thinking about that and then 
you know, extrapolating that to the idea that restaurants are also paying more for the food that they're getting in. Yeah. So then their meals are also more expensive. Yeah. And I mean, there will be a season for like picking berries and stuff. So you could definitely check on the side of the road, make sure you know what you're picking. And uh, I mean, we wound up up in the tundra on that four wheeling adventure and we found just like a bunch of wild blueberries that were absolutely to die for. So do not pass up the opportunity on eating some wild blueberries if you could find them. I feel like they were the most delicious blueberries I've ever had. I'll talk about that for every day until the day I die. <laughs> every day. Every day. He's, he's, every Babe, time we have blueberries, he's like... Those Alaskan blueberries. <laughs> oh, baby, that blueberry yum yum. That's what that's what Ludacris was talking about, right? Yes. Yeah. I think we need to have a disclaimer in all these. Like, if you get a parking ticket, that's not on us. If you yeah. eat random berries in the woods, that that's are not, not blueberries. on us. <laughs> that's on you. <laughs> but yeah, there's that's another way to die in Alaska. Yes, it is. Eating it is. the wrong berry. Yeah. Make sure that you know what you're picking. Yeah. It's not a you pick farm. It's nature and it's wild. So make sure you know what you're getting. Yeah. But yeah, I think Alaska is kind of the ultimate van life RV spot, especially for Americans. I feel like it's on everybody's bucket list yeah. to get to Alaska. And so if it is something that you're thinking about doing, go for it. Yeah, you know, I, I had this thought in my head. It went back to the blueberries and I was thinking like about the U-Pick farm. Imagine if at a U-Pick farm they had like poison berries and good berries it was like you pick your poison like, or good like luck. if you spot the poison one you get a prize yeah yeah if you don't you're you gonna die. have some very bad gastrointestinal oh, issues that'd be horrible yeah okay well let's not put you in charge of opening our farmstead yeah well why would i i would never do that <laughs> He's like, sneaky, sneaky. I would never do that, Alex. Wink, wink. No, no winks. Yeah, you should see him air quoting. Alex is the one winking. What? She's the one that would do it. Blame it on her. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, but like Alaska is just such an incredible place. And like if you are on the road and you're thinking about doing it, you should do it. It is definitely a place that we're going to have to go back to. Uh, I think there's a chapter in the book that says... Uh, a place, a bucket list place that you'll definitely want to go again, mm-hmm. you know? And so if you are going, be sure to check up a copy of the book. It's called Van Life Alaska, and we're going to have it linked in the show notes down below. Maybe that's the first place we visit next summer, like when the baby's here. Well, no, we got to do the East Coast. Yeah, I know. But I also want to go back to Alaska. I know. We'll get back to Alaska, I promise. Oh, baby, baby. We're going to let the baby pick. We do like we do at Paco and we put the hands up, yes or no? But we'd be like, Alaska or East Coast of Canada? <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll see what happens. There's always somewhere new to adventure. There's always another spot to go. I feel like that's one of the hardest things about van life is just choosing your next destination. Yeah. And like committing to it and just going for it because... Mm-hmm. You know, van life has so many decisions you have to make, like where you're just going to sleep every night, where you're going to get water, all these things. So making a big decision like this definitely takes a little bit of back and forth and a little bit of like figuring out what is your budget. Okay, if we're going to drive, how many miles is that? How much is the gas per mile? Like how much is that going to cost for there on the way back? Like it's probably almost a thousand dollars in gas to get from Seattle, we'll say to Anchorage. So a thousand there, a thousand back. Yeah. You're $2,000 in already for your summer. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the craziest thing to me is, I mean, I think that Alaska kind of makes it easy in the set because there's lots of RV parks. Mm-hmm. There's lots of places to fill up water. There's lots of like it is very van life and RV friendly. Mm-hmm. So I would I would say like you're not going to have to worry as much in Alaska. You know, like it's you don't, you're not going to worry the same way as if you would worry if you were in the desert in the summer and you're trying to find water. Yeah, you know, or you're like, in a busy town like Bend or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or even if you're traveling through Mexico, Central America, and you don't speak the language, mm-hmm. you know, because then it makes it a little bit harder to find things, mm-hmm. even though it's easier. It's pretty easy there, too. I just meant in terms of making the decision to actually pull the trigger and go. Don't 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 even hesitate. Just go. Just do it. Just do it. If you got a couple bucks in your pocket and you could do it, do it. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that the major thing that you got to think about is, if you're thinking about going to Alaska, you should try to stack away as much cash as you can. That way you could like really enjoy all the different excursions. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you can't do it on a budget because we did. Mm-hmm. But but like, you know, if you wanted to like splurge and go crazy. If you can ball out, Alaska is a really yeah, great place would, to ball out. I would do like a seaplane ride. I would have definitely went to go see the bears and Kodiak. Like I would have did so much more if we had a bigger budget. But, mm-hmm. you know, our budget only was what it was. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's funny because you always look back and you're like, oh, I could have spent that money or, you know, like, yeah. who knows? But like when you're there and your credit card bill is getting high and you're like, ooh. I feel like I didn't look back at Alaska and say that at all. No. Like, there was, like yeah, of course, I would have loved to go heliboarding. Sure. You know, like, of course, I would. There's so many things that I could add to that list. Uh-huh. But like our experience was our experience for that time in particular. And it leaves the door open for new experiences the next time we go. So just remember that, like this is a place that you're going to go and it's going to suck you back in. So you could do those things, the things that you missed the first time you could do them this next time. And even if you just want to go and just sit in the woods for two months, that would be a dope experience. Yeah. too. Yeah. I don't disagree. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a lot more wildlife than a lot of other people. If you do that. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to stay through the winter, we definitely want to hear from you. Cause I feel like, when we were there, you know, you start contemplating, like, could we make it through an Alaskan winter? Like, it's so beautiful. Like, maybe we just stay for one winter. Maybe we just, like, be careful because I feel like people, many, many, many people told us, I came for the summer. 20 years later, I'm still here. Yeah. So you might get sucked into. I will say that there will be probably like a month or so or something, maybe like a couple of weeks where you're like, ah, man, I wish I was somewhere else. Like, cause it's dark. But in if you're winter. experiencing it for the first time in the winter, I think that you might not feel that way. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I guess we got to try it to find out. We're going to have to. <laughs> I'm holding you to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we hope that you've enjoyed this show today. We hope that we've inspired you to adventure beyond your limitations and yeah. go try something new and get out to a place that is so near and dear in our hearts. And don't forget to leave that review, guys. We really appreciate it. Help help grow the podcast. Other people could read that review and see, you know, what type of information that they're going to get from us from an outsider looking in, because that's more important than what we say. And uh, and yeah, we hope that you guys have an F and A day. Everybody knows it's true. Man, life, YouTube channel, what they do. Everybody's got to get money. Everybody's about to get money. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Van Life. All that.